Every business should have access to high-speed internet, no matter where they are. But getting fast speeds in rural Canada hasn't always been easy, which meant less reliability, scalability, and connectivity. ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions has the network to help you do business virtually anywhere in Canada. With extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're bringing the high speeds of the big city to small towns, to tiny towns, and even no towns. No matter your business size or location, get connected today with ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices of women entrepreneurs in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, guests will speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. Each one inspires us all to take up space within our own communities and within the business world, reminding us that each path can be messy and unique. Join us on the journey, clearing a new path. The second annual Strike Up Digital Conference for Women Entrepreneurs is coming up next month. Today, I'm joined by two of the many dynamic speakers that will be presenting at the event. Both of these women are in rural or remote Canada. Joella Hogan is the sole proprietor of the Yukon Soap Company. The Indigenous-owned and operated business creates beautiful, handcrafted soaps, shampoo bars, essential oil blends, and so much more. Along with handcrafting soaps, Joella has worked to make Yukon Soaps a community-building, language-learning, earth-connecting hub in the heart of the Yukon, the small town of Mayo. Joella comes from a long line of strong, vibrant Indigenous women. Her matriarchs are teachers, healers, bushwomen, social advocates, and cultural leaders. They taught her how to make things happen. She is also a professional heritage worker who continues to bring Northern Shikoni culture and heritage to the forefront of life in the central Yukon. As an active advocate for her First Nation and a dedicated community builder, she stays busy with yoga, advocacy work, and kicksledding. Indira Moody is the CEO of Beyond La France. She acquired the business in 2002, and today it is the largest meat producer of sheep and cattle in Quebec. She is an innovative business visionary, having held leadership roles in several multinational corporations, working for 20 years in the energy sector, and now 10 years in the food sector. Indira became a chemical engineer through the Polytechnique of Montreal 
and she attended the Harvard Business School in both 2008 and 2020 as a certified global leader. Indira has lived through and been challenged by the last three recessions. As a business leader, her dream is to see the end of hunger within her generation. She is working closely with all stakeholders in the food supply chain to study the benefits of degrowth and short food supply chain processes using her own company as a case study and role model. She also has a unique and diverse background that brings different perspectives and solutions to the table. She is a Black woman, her mother from Guyana with Indian roots, and her father from the Republic of Niger. She is married to a French national from Vietnamese origin who is also a Canadian resident. Indira has been raised and educated in five religions, speaks five languages, and has worked on four continents with an extensive business network in and outside Canada. She says being a mother of young children has given her a new urgency and empathy to leave our world a better place. Ladies, where in rural or remote Canada are you? Joella? Good morning. Uh, I am in my grandmother's traditional territory at the confluence of the Stewart and Mayo River. So right in the heart of the Yukon. So exciting. And Indira, where are you? Hi, Shona. Very happy to be here with you and and Joella. And thanks for having us. I am in a wonderful place called Shawinigan. It's about an hour and a half from Montreal City and an hour and a half from Quebec. Uh, at the heart of the Morrissey region, about uh, two minutes from the big park of La Morrissey, that's very famous uh, federal plant that we have here. That's where the plant is located. Can you each tell me and tell us how you got started on your entrepreneurial journeys? Can we start with you, Indira? After about uh, 10, 15 years in my career, and uh, Shona have said it before, I had 30 years global. But in, within the middle of that, I, I realized that uh, I, I wanted bigger. I wanted to be an owner of my own company. And my, my industrial background uh, says it all. So I team up with a team, a professional team, to start looking for a business to acquire. And I was pretty much in the middle of that journey when the business we own today as a family uh, came in in our radar. And that business basically uh, filled up all the uh, boxes that we had. Uh, it was a business that has prosperity. It was a business of 80 years old. And then I believe in m which is merger and acquisition. So we went through inside um, understanding uh, how to get it. And we acquired it. So we're very, uh, very happy to say that 10 years down the road of the acquisition, that uh, we made the right choice. It might not be, have been the, the easiest uh, job, but uh, the part of the entrepreneur quickly adapted from moving to being an employee to owning your own business. The, the journey of, employ- of entrepreneur, I will say, started there and it's uh, very much enjoyable to own your business 
Um, the responsibilities are very different uh, when you have 10, uh, 20, 40, 100, 1,000 employees. Is uh, that you are your own, it's your own responsibility to make sure that it's run and uh, you bear with all the partners and all the suppliers and all the, uh, everybody around that. It's, it's a full different responsibility than when you are working for a company. Here you own it and it's your own responsibility to make sure that it works. So uh, that's how the journey started. And then here we are 10 years on the road, uh, looking at it and looking at how it has marvelously moved on. And we are also looking at uh, the next step. One nice thing after, after two years of the COVID, I will say that now I know that my business is a pandemic proof business because we are service essential in the food sector. You have so many employees. Like, I mean, that's a huge responsibility. I felt that weight as you actually said that. I can't even imagine putting your head down at night and knowing you have that responsibility. Joella, how about your entrepreneurial journey? How did it start? Yeah, I mean, in in many ways, similar to Indira, I was working for My First Nation in the Heritage and Culture Department and was looking for a business and, you know, had my criteria on what it what it needed to be. So it needed to be some kind of like eco-sustainable business. It needed to align with my cultural values. Of course, it needed to make money. Um, but at the time, I really just saw it as, you know, side income for myself, you know, a cute little side hustle, making soap in my basement, selling at craft fairs and farmers markets. That's, that's what I thought. What, of course, I didn't realize is that when I um, bought the business and, you know, it was already in different shops and, and it was growing and had a small website. But when I, I call it when I Joellaized the business, <laughs> um, wrapped it in my love, but also grounded it in my values and teachings and that kind of thing, how much it would grow and really you know, there's such an interest in Canada's North and in Indigenous people. And so the timing really aligned, but also the handcrafted soap market was really, really taking off as people are switching, you know, back to bars, back to local, certainly during the pandemic, you know, even more, more growth in e-commerce, but also in natural products and also learning how to make soap. So, you know, it just really started to take off. And so, the business is still in my home, but only for a couple more months as I'm building a small workshop outside of my home um, because it's been pretty hard to, right now I'm employing seven people part-time. So, you know, women in my community who already have other work, whether it's the daycare or the First Nation or the school, but they also wanted side work. And so they come to me at different hours, of, you know, flexible with their schedule. And so that's hard when it's in your home, of course, right? But moving into this new space. But the funny thing is that I'm already planning our next space because when I started planning for this space, we were much smaller and we've seen so much growth. So, you know, not even into the next building and planning the growth beyond that. So super, super exciting times. Lots of challenges, of course, too. But um, I never imagined when I bought this business 10 years for me as well. And so the business is over, I think it were close to 25 years, actually. But I never imagined how much it would change my life, how I'd be able to contribute to my community and impact lives. I had no idea that it was really just, you know, for myself and, you know, a cute little side business. And it's turned into something much more beautiful. I love what Joella is saying, uh, because um, 
as I was acquiring, I, we didn't realize how much impact we will have in the community. That is, is reality. Um, we are in the, um, in the food, in the meat sector, and we are in local, local business where we work very closely with the farmers, right? And we serve the population that want to eat local food from those farms. We also serve all the local community of uh, Greek, Italian, Muslim, all that community. And it's incredible how we make a difference in their life. They call actually because of, uh, of the reputation that we have in, in front of us and, and uh, the fact that they know that we are here for them. And it, it gives you a nice feeling, yeah? Uh, there's a farmer that came in and tell me, uh, I think six months ago, and said, since I worked with you, my farm have tripled. And then my son is doing that same field and he's going to be the, uh, the person that will take over from it. So I, I feel what Joella said when she said that... Uh, Particularly when you acquire something that is old enough. In my case, it was 80, and now we are 90 years of history. Uh, you see the continuity. You see the, um, the, the fact that you belong to a story uh, that have much more years to come in. And that's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a joyful in, it's a fulfillment as a person, as a, as a, as a family, and uh, as a leader as well. Part of any business journey and any entrepreneurial journey well, actually, you both have kind of alluded to it. There, there are challenges, right? Like, I mean, uh, being your own boss, there are challenges. What have been some of the largest hurdles that you have experienced? Have you experienced discrimination, racism, sexism? And has being rural and remote contributed to some of the hurdles that you've faced? That's a really... A really big question. I would say like top of mind in terms of hurdles right now is certainly shipping, having a production-based business, being able to acquire the raw materials that I need to make soap, even though I use a lot of um, locally available products, you know, the, the plants and stuff from here, the base ingredients have to come in. But then also shipping all of my stuff across Canada. So today is possibly day five that we've had no mail in and out of the community. So that is not even connected to our global supply chain issues and shipping that is, is happening. That's a like micro local issue that, you know, we, I, I don't even know why it's happening, but terrible. So it's those kinds of things. But then I also, you know, remind myself that those out of my control, right. And I try and let my customers know, like, this is part of being a rural and remote business. And so, you know, a lot of my U.S. customers expect their orders to be there within two days. And I, you know, I just turned it into a joke like, well, my your order is coming by dog team and by skidoo and by snowshoe. And it's going to take an extra long time to get to you in Arizona. So please be patient. And they're always like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Like, you know, I never thought about it that way. So it's like I'm not going to blame it on our postal system, which it is. But you know, it's, it's those kinds of things, but it's out of my control. And so trying to focus on the other hurdles and challenges, which I can control. And, you know, I think in terms of discrimination, I would say the biggest one I've had is really just people not taking me seriously. As an Indigenous owned business woman, I was trying to get capital to build this building and I was rejected by several banks. Um, I don't think they thought that I had it. Um, even contractors, when I was approaching them to build, I don't think people thought that I had it. And so now 
thankfully one bank took me on, saw the potential, one builder took me on, and now, you know, now we're now we're a big success story. But I was denied so many times because I live in First Nation housing, because I'm self-employed. And so all these systemic barriers to being able to access large amounts of capital to be able to grow my business was so incredibly hard. So not necessarily like directly like we're not funding you because you're an Indigenous woman, but those systemic barriers certainly were there when I was trying to do a large project. It was almost like stay doing your cute little soap making in your in, in your home kind of thing, right? Um, instead of allowing me to grow. And so now that mindset has changed. And I know that part of once I was able to take that step, certainly, you know, inspiring other people in the community to, to be able to make change. So a lot of the barriers I see certainly are, you know, systemic ingrained barriers that are that are hard to change for sure. Thanks so much, uh, Joella, from sharing this. I will say that uh... Probably I, same thing happened here, but I, I had an advantage because I worked 20 years in uh, multinational and uh, international life. So I think that prepared me to, to hit such kind of walls. So uh, here's how I, I, I took it. And I will say a, a story about when I was acquiring, uh, I had to convince the, uh, the investors, right? So normally you go and see the investor one by one, but I went with my mentality of international and I basically asked to one of the investor, uh, an, an office, and I got them all in the room. I did what I know how to do was to sell a project, which was to learn the project plan and to analyze the risk and do a two hours professional presentation with, of course, my professional team on all the information and showing them all the risk and what we're going to do for all the risk. Funny enough, by the time I finished presenting, there was two main investors that were supposed to invest equality. After my presentation, they were fighting to know who will go with me. That's how I turn around it and make sure that basically I show them our potential. We were brain and maybe it has to do with where I come from they perceived me as a foreigner even though I grew up here study here uh, coming from Montreal the capital and being in the region and they were seeing me as a foreigner coming in but then I knew the ground and also had the professional experience and also knocked down every single resistance that they could have in their brain then they could only see the potential and they invested in the potential. Why am I saying that? Because we acquire the biggest meat started house that is actually managed by the MAPAC, okay? The Minister of Agriculture of Quebec. It's a huge business. It's much bigger cake than I ever thought I will acquire. But then I was not scared. So we, we make sure that we actually put on the floor what was the potential that we had by bringing our management skill and then we hit that one. That the next challenges was, of course, to secure the employees and the uh, suppliers. That was simple work and paycheck, money talk. So we worked and we paid everything. And that the first challenges went away quickly. We understood the business and moved on. Now, let's talk about one of the latest challenge of the COVID situation, which is the manpower. What we did to, to work on that was to 
look for people that were interested in such kind of job, uh, working in um, with the meat. And it was tough, but I think um, here as well, our international exposure helped us because we were able to understand from other country people that want to do that and were trained to do that. Uh, we were patient with the with the regulation, of course, to do all the paperwork. And when they came in here, we helped them to integrate. So what did we do? We went as far as, you know, every single thing, taking them from the airport, ensuring they were all the paperwork from the vaccination was okay, take care of the paperwork for social security, health insurance, and getting ahead of time their apartment, sending them picture for them to see, ensuring that they had the transport done, making sure we pay for the first three months, making sure that they had all the things in the houses. So we went all ahead of that to make sure that we integrate them so they see less challenges and being able to integrate quickly and do what they came for, which is working, not going through the challenge of integration. And we work with the people here as well to ensure that they take them, embrace the culture and moved on. So those are the challenges we saw, but we pass across them one after one and see it as an opportunity. I like that, seeing them as an opportunity. I think almost every entrepreneur that I have spoken to, eventually that's what they say is, at the time, it may be a hurdle, but it was a great opportunity. Joella, you will be part of the Strike Up Conference panel on starting and running an Indigenous business. And Indira, your Strike Up panel is about strategic decision making. And so, bringing those two thoughts together, can you each talk about thoughts? on making business decisions rooted in your values and maybe some tough decisions that you made along the way. Joella? So I was very fortunate in my job career before taking on this business to spend a lot of time with elders in our community who really talked about what it means to be a good Northern Toshone person, um, what our core values are as Indigenous people from this area. So I was able to do a lot of that work. And one of the messages they kept talking about was how important it was for young people to live those values and do it in everything that you do, like walk the talk. And so when I started incorporating that into my business, not necessarily out there, right? I kept that to myself, what I was doing. I wasn't, you know, marketing that or, the, or that kind of thing. It was really more in my heart and my way of thinking. That's when I saw growth and I thought this is really interesting to see that when I change my mindset, how it grows and of course, not just financially, but in other ways too. So that was really interesting to me. And so that's what I, you know, try to talk about. And it's not just like indigenous values, but it's like your core values when you put those at the front and help to make your decisions that way. And the other thing that I talk about too, is like making money is a value, right? And don't be afraid of making money that I think sometimes we're told, you know, oh, you're a social enterprise, you need to give back. Well, absolutely you do. But to keep your business going and to keep to keep going and to keep giving, we need to be making money. And so like, as Indigenous people, we always had systems of trade and giving and sharing. And so now those systems just look different. So that's still a part of it. But making money is absolutely, um, you know, a, a value as well. And so making those kinds of decisions. And so in terms of hard decisions, I think the biggest one for me was as was whether to grow or not. And that 
I reached a point, and I'm still there, really, where demand exceeds supply. And so trying to think of what is the capacity that I can grow my business if I'm going to stay in my community. There's been other opportunities to build, you know, facilities in southern Yukon where shipping would be less, labor and capacity would be so much easier, or even being part of bigger um, production facilities in British Columbia. Certainly would be able to meet demand, but do, does that align with my values? Which values would be compromised? And so at every time I'm growing my business, those are the things I think about, like, what am I losing and what am I gaining? And how much am I, you know, maybe detracting from my original goal? Or is my original goal changed even, right? Like that, that happens and is a natural part of business and, and growth. And so, you know, connecting with mentors and, and other business people, community people to get that insight, because sometimes when we're so kind of entrenched in our own our own business and our own life. It's hard to, to see a way out or a new path forward. And so, so, so fortunate to be a part of many circles to help me, I guess, through those hard, hard decision points. Indira. Thank you, uh, Joella, for a very nice uh, speech on your, on your value. And, and I like when you say uh, we're in business to make money. It's, it's so true, right, in the capitalist world where we are today. Uh, for myself, uh, and it's been like that, I think, maybe the education of my, my parents, I find it hard to make money just to make money. So I have to get a good reason, and my business has to get a good reason. So, for example, me, personally, I would have a hard time um, investing into uh, something that is not tangible. If I don't feel it, I, I, it's very difficult for me to, to, to be there. For example, it took me long for me. Stock market is a bubble, right? I don't understand it. Even if I invest in that, it has to be in a, in a context where I see that the earth, uh, the people are getting value out of that. It's, it's very difficult for me to be bounded in a project that uh, I don't see a core value for earth people. And uh, I always say to my employees, you know, you come to work with your 10 fingers and you go back to work with your 10 fingers. We are here for work. We have to do a product, a project, but we need to be healthy mentally, physically and gain value. And then um, we are here to make sure that uh, we get money so that we can survive our family and we're here to be happy. If you're making money and you're not happy, but you have an issue, we need to fix it. Have you had any times where you struggled with the decision? Usually no. Usually no. I, I, I see far ahead of the game. Uh, what helps me is that I don't think uh, today... I always think 10 days, one year, 10 years. And as leaders, let's get it right. All of us in an organization, we have a role. The leader's role is to ensure in 10 years' time, our business is still there. So the leader is to look at it very far away. So me personally, I very quickly see, and if I don't see, there's one thing I do. I get along with people that can help me see. So work with... Uh, Partners, people that have been there before, people that coach, mentor. There's no way that we we know it all, right? As you work to and always live in the, with a strategic plan, you basically uh, are less caught up with uh, some decision that you need to do right now on the point. And when you have to make a decision that you don't know, get with people. Get with some people that will help you. Well, so that leads 
very well into the next question. And I think you've answered a little bit of it, Indira. What is your advice to women living in a rural or remote place in Canada? They have a great business idea and they're a little bit nervous or a little bit, they have some trepidation and, and they don't know where to go. They don't know how to access resources. What's your advice? So let me start with the one word, courage. Get the courage. If you're a lady out there, I'm talking to you. I maybe knew my, my, my region of Quebec and Canada because I grew up here, but I was away for 20 years uh, in my international life when I found this business. I mean, I think I was posted in West Africa when I took the decision to acquire hair, and I have never been to Shawinigan. So if I was able to live there and come in here and acquire a business and make it a life with my family and grown up, you are able to do it if you're in your region. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely possible. So gather your courage to do that. Secondly, at my time, uh, we didn't have much role model in regions, female doing things. There's plenty of role models. There. Please call upon. Okay. Don't stay by yourself. Find an Indira, find a Joala, find a Susie, find other people that have been doing that in another region. Um, with the communication open today, we are able to reach each other. And thanks to Chona doing her, her session, all of you are hearing this message. Find others, entrepreneur women in your region or nearby that could help you. Get resilience on your side. We're like, like a child learning how to walk. At the end, you know how to run. So no worry. You, we will all, even today I still fall. And then what? No worries. You cry a little bit and you wake up and you go on. That's life. No problem. So resilience. And the last advice I will say, listen to your guts. I tell you, if you have a good project there, you're going to make it there. Joella. So beautiful. I think I'm going to be calling Indira when I have troubles. Like that was so beautiful. <laughs> I would say, I mean, similar to what Indira said to like build your network of people who will support you through those hard times. Like similar to what I said earlier, right? Like build that network support system that we are so fortunate in Canada, in the Yukon now that there's so much support, you know, for startups, for small business, there are so many resources, you just have to reach out to one person, and they'll be able to connect you. And I probably get several of those questions a day, like, how do I write a business plan? What bank do you use? What apps? You know, all of that kind of stuff. Like there, there's so much resources out there. And I'm always happy to help people, of course, but there are so many other people that want to help. I think the other part too, for me that I try to remind people is to keep your values, your vision, you know, try and keep focused on that, that it's so easy to be detracted or sidetracked, I guess, um, especially with social media, you know, that I don't look to other soap makers to see what they're doing and then try and copy that. Um, you know, I really try and stay focused on what my purpose was, my vision, of course, I do look at other small businesses, other makers, creators, and find inspiration, ideas from there. But, you know, don't derail yourself by trying to follow other people. Stay who, stay who you are um, and keep that front and center. And that's where you'll find success is, is creating your, your own way. I love that, ladies. Um, truly inspirational. I could talk to you forever as as we do. However, people can hear you at the Strike Up Conference. It is a digital conference for women entrepreneurs. 
It is Thursday, March 3rd from 10 to 3 Eastern time, and it is free. And in the show notes and in our social media, we will share the links. Ladies, again, very, very inspired by you. And I really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Thank you. Joella, it was very, very nice to hear your story. And Shona, thanks for having us. It was a pleasure. Yes, what a beautiful session. I agree. We could talk so much, the three of us, all of our ideas and similarities. So thank you so much, Shauna. Nice to meet you. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. It really helps others find us. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm, and the music branding is by Imagine a Dev Studios. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Temp Center, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to this studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. We will speak to many people across Turtle Island, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of Indigenous communities and reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time.